Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. We'll turn to um, the book of Haggai. As I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about uh, an event that took place uh, many years ago. And um, you never know when one of those life-changing events are going to, to happen, either for yourself or the way you respond to a person and what that does um, in their lives. But as I was preparing this, I, I thought back to a time when we went to visit my mother-in-law, my wife and myself, and in visiting my mother-in-law, one of our nephews was there, and he had a, uh, a report. And he brought this report to my wife he may have been in junior high school or, or high school or lower, lower grade in high school, and, and she read the report, and she tore it up. And he was extremely upset. I mean, he was livid. I don't know what would have happened to her if I wasn't there. He was that upset. And... Uh, Obviously, he asked, why'd you do that? And she said, this is, this is trash. Um, you did not spend the proper time to write this report and really care that you would um, give something of quality. And in that, we started to speak about um, priorities and, and prioritizing our time. We, we prioritize what we care about. We prioritize what we value. And um, he was talking about how busy he was. So we said, okay, let's get a piece of paper. And we wrote down all of his activities in the course of a normal day. We all have the same amount of time in a day. We all choose to do different things in the course of that day. So we laid out the whole day and what that would look like. And um, years later, he has continually spoke to us about how that was a turning point in his life, how he recognized when he put on paper uh, what his real priorities were, which often are different than we um, would want them to be or even tell ourselves that they are. In the book of Haggai, um, you will see a similar event. So if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, we're going to be reading the first chapter of Haggai, and it reads this way. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. The Lord of armies says this, these people say, the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to live in paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? 
Now the Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. The Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build the house, and I will be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Why? This is the, the declaration of the Lord of armies. Because my house still lies in ruins while each of you is busy with your own house. So on your account, the skies have withheld the dew and the land its crops. I have summoned a drought on the fields and the hills, on the grains, new wine, fresh oil, and whatever the ground yields on people and animals and on all that your hand produce. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant, of people obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God has sent him. So the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. And the Lord aroused the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel. Governor of Judah, and the spirit of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, they began work on the house of the Lord of armies, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that your word always accomplishes what you send it to do. We ask that we would hear what you have to say this day, Lord. That we would think carefully about our ways, Lord. And that we would present our ways to you, Lord. And say, heal us, Lord. Help us in our priorities, uh, how we spend our time, that they would reflect our love for you, Lord. Lead and guide us in this, Lord. Be glorified in your house this day, Lord. Open our ears and our hearts to receive truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So to, uh, to give a little background to, to what's going on here, um, Judah had spent 70 years in Babylon. They were taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar because of their disobedience. 
God sent his prophets continually to warn them to no avail. Matter of fact, they had other prophets saying, there's going to be peace. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, what uh, is being said to you is not going to happen. The, the temple of the Lord that was built by Solomon was burned down. It was destroyed. And now um, Judah was in captivity, exile from the promised land. One of the things for the Jewish people is of uh, the land that they possessed, uh, it was a, 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 a living example of God's blessing on their life. But this was God's discipline. And when the 70-year period was over, God laid on the, on the heart of Cyrus to release the people, to not only release the people, but to send them with provision and to send them back um, to their land to rebuild the temple. He even gave them the articles that um, Nebuchadnezzar had taken and gave it back to them so that they can go back to Jerusalem. In uh, Ezra chapter 1, it speaks of this event. And it says, in the first year of King um, uh, Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word, of, the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord's roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it in writing. One of the things that we see here is a king's heart is like a channeled water in the Lord's hand. He directs it wherever he chooses. Very important for us to know that because this was a pagan. And, and God um, spoke to his heart. And God had moved him uh, to send his people back after the period of discipline was over, which is confirmation to us that whatever God takes us through, uh, whenever he disciplines his children, uh, he is doing something in us. And even if you look at Jeremiah, it says, I am doing this because I want to get to your heart. And, and he gave a time period that it would take for that to happen. And he even uh, said, uh, the rod of discipline that I use, I'm even going to punish them when it's done. It says that this is what King Cyrus of Persia says, the Lord, the God of heavens, of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you any of his people among you, may his God be with you. And may you go to Jerusalem and to Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he resides, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with a freewill offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. So the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, along 
with the priests and Levites, everyone whose spirit God had aroused, prepared to go up and rebuild the house in Jerusalem. All their neighbors supported them with silver articles, gold goods, livestock, and valuables. In addition, all that was given as a freewill offering. King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and had placed it in the house of his gods. King Cyrus of Persia had them brought out under the supervision of uh, Mithradath, the treasurer who counted them out. And she has Balar, uh, Bazar, the prince of Judah. Wow. What, 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 what a story. Um, so you needed that background to understand that Judah had gone into captivity. They spent the 70 years ordained by God there. And he turns the heart of the king to send them back and to send them back for a mission. Go back and build my temple. And the first point I want to make here is stop making excuses. It says in verse 2, the Lord of armies says this, these people say, the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Billy Sunday called an excuse, the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Benjamin Franklin wrote, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses who was good at anything else. The foundation of the temple had been laid years before, after the exile returned from Babylon. It says that um, when that foundation was laid, when they first came back as King Cyrus sent them and gave them permission, provision to build it, once that foundation was laid, old men cried because uh, maybe they were thinking about how grand the temple was before that Solomon had built, or maybe they thought about, hey, we have, we're going to build God's temple again. But besides the old men crying, it said that the young men shouted for joy. And now 16 years had passed and no other work on the temple had been done. Imagine that. They were busy doing other things. Maybe it was because um, they had people come against them and they got fearful. But what this text shows us is that even with that, they were about doing their own thing, building their own houses. This was, a, the temple was not just a beautiful place to come together and, 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 and meet. As God's people, the temple was the place where God's manifest glory was present. They saw the hand of God 
discipline them. They remember what they were disciplined for. And now they watch his strong hand send them back home with a mission and with provision. They laid a foundation and then they forget about his house. They, they, they laid a foundation that they have to pass through at times. And the text says that think carefully about your ways. Consider your ways. It says in verse 4, is it time for you yourself to live in paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? Now the Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. You know what this shows? This shows that they wanted to be in the vicinity of God, but, but they didn't want God in their midst. They, they, they wanted God in general, but they didn't want God specifically. They, they wanted God's blessings, but they didn't want God's requirements. I, I, I want God to give me, but I'm not going to offer him anything because I'm working on my, my panel house. I, I would get to church on time, but I'm tired because I'm working on my paneled house. I, it, yeah, I know I should go to church every Sunday, and, and I don't make it often because I'm working on my paneled house. Other things are taking precedent. I, I mean, I come to church as often as I can. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's not every week. I'm working on my paneled house. But when I do come to church, um, you know, I, I serve. It, doesn't that count for something? I make sure I come there with, to fulfill my obligations because other times I'm working on my paneled house. I, I want to be consistent with my giving, um, but, you know, the stuff for that paneled house is pretty expensive. And, um, you know, I have a lot of debt. The series is called Inside Out. Everything going on on the inside has some form of outward expression. We prioritize what we treasure. It says this starting in verse 6, you've planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts, it, puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. And the Lord of Armies says this, think carefully about your ways. It goes on in verse 9, you expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Just like we pray over offering, it all belongs to God. 
Whatever you have belongs to him. And just the way Deacon Frankie prayed today, even your very breath belongs to him. So on your account, because of what you're doing, the skies have withheld the dew and the land its crops. I have summoned a drought on the fields and the hills, on the grain, new wine, fresh oil, and whatever the ground yields, on the people and animals, and on all that your hands produce. Why, why, why would God do that? Because God will break the power of your pride. If that's what you're going to put your hope in, if that's how you're going to spend your time, if that's where your energy is going to go, go to, it's not going to be fruitful. Why? Why would he not want that to be fruitful? Because what are those things? What do those things matter? It's keeping you away from him. He's not going to allow that to prosper. It's really him showing you grace and mercy. You keep pouring in and keep pouring in with your time, with your energy, and you're never satisfied. Why? Because that's not what he wants you to pour into. Putting the Lord first. It's not in words. It's in action. It looks like something. They didn't have this text, but we know the principle they certainly had. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. This is not a business arrangement. But, but it's the evidence of love. See, because if you prioritize God, the only reason you would prioritize God is because you know him, because you love him, because it's your pleasure to do that, because it's so satisfying. We want to give God our best, not, not our leftovers. No one else in any deep relationship that you have would accept that from you. It even says in the, in the Bible, when they were making sacrifices to the Lord, they were bringing their blind animals, they were bringing their lame animals, and God said to them, would your governor accept this? But you're going to give this to me? Our greatest commodity is, is time. If, if we don't have time for God and be about God's business, but we keep building these panel houses, that's going to amount to what? Solomon even spoke about that. Get all of this stuff. Let's say I give it to my kids. They didn't work hard for that stuff. You know what they do a lot of times? They blow it. For, for, for what? Verse 7 says, the Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build the house, and I will be pleased with it. 
and be glorified, says the Lord. It says after he spoke about these things, that, they, that that entire remnant obeyed God and the words of the prophet because the Lord their God had sent him. So the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. One of the things that is so important in our Christian life and one of the things that God so shows his grace and mercy is when we're off track, how he sends a word to turn us around, how he sets events to put us back on course. And even when we try to fight those things, they're putting money in their, in, 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 in their money bag and there's a hole in it. I, I remember times when I was consumed with just getting certain things and one thing after another, after another, after another would happen. I never seemed to get ahead until I made God first. When you make God first, the math doesn't even add up. You will have things and don't even know how it stretched that far. When, when you put God first, what he does inside to satisfy you your contentment, your peace is in a totally different place because you could have every provision in the world. If you don't have peace, you don't have anything. He sent his messenger. He sent a word. And what did they do? They received it. They received it and they changed course. Remember why that temple was to be built. So the manifest glory of God would be present. So it wouldn't be the God that provides, but it would be the God that's near. It would be their God. The way he Prescribed, they would interact with him. But when we're so busy building our paneled house, dropping money into something, dropping time that we can't get back into something, dropping energy into something that has a hole in it and it never satisfies. But when that word comes and we change course changes everything they 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 built that temple and god provided it's the same temple that jesus stood in worship team you can you can come up what we want 
is God's glory. What we want is God's presence. What we want is to be satisfied. What we want is to walk in God's will. What we want is to be about God's business. He'll take care of our needs, our longings, and our desire. Because that hunger we have, that thirst that we have, can only be satisfied by him. But if you're thirsty and you're drinking soda, I don't care how much soda you drink, that thirst is never going to be quenched. But God allows us to be hungry and thirsty and be filled and satisfied with him. And as we're filled and satisfied with him, it doesn't come to a place of completeness. But then we get more hungry and more thirsty and he continues to satisfy. And we stop prioritizing everything else, making him the priority. We're going to engage in communion in a few moments. But what I would like us to think about is think carefully about your ways. Don't delay in wanting God's manifest glory, God's closeness, the intimacy that we can have with God because he made a way for us to do that. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He told us to take communion in remembrance of him. And we're to have a recognition that he's coming back. So as we sit for a minute, let's consider our ways. Let's come clean and addressing him. Forgetting about that panel house recognizing that when he calls us to change course, it's going to be done in the heart first. So we don't have to walk in guilt. Just come to a recognition. God, help me in my priorities. I want that deep relationship with you. I want to be about your business. I want to be in your will. I want to be pleasing to you, oh God. Let's spend a couple of minutes reflecting on that, and I'll come back up. Amen? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all 
some church till all the ransom church of God be saved to sin no be saved to sin no more be saved to sin no more be saved to sin no Till all the ransom church of God be saved to sin no more. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Their sins by faith, their sins by faith. I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds of redeeming love, redeeming has been my theme, and shall be till I, and shall be, and shall. 
till I redeeming love, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Thank you, Lord. First Corinthians ten sixteen says the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body. Since all of us share the one bread. Communion is, is for the believer. You have not accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, please refrain from taking communion at this time. Prayerfully, you will be able to do that at a later time. It says in Matthew 26, starting at verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Let's eat together, family. Then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the, give, for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. That panel house we were speaking about, doesn't have to be a physical structure, but it's the structure of our life. If you don't desire God's presence in a deep and intimate way, it's because you don't know him. Because to know him is to love him. To love him is to desire his presence. And his presence can't do anything else but praise him. In his presence, we worship him. Worship is not just singing. It's the song of our life. Romans 12 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Would you stand, brothers and sisters? Allow me to pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you send a word in season, Lord, to correct our course, Lord, for us to analyze our priorities, Lord. As we go through this series, Inside Out, 
trying to figure out what's going on inside. We've spoken about relationships last week, and, and this week we speak about actions and, and our priorities and the things that we're doing, Lord. As we look in that mirror of the soul, Lord, we all fall short. The first thing we need to do is acknowledge that and ask for your forgiveness, oh God. But we can also have a great joy knowing that when you correct our course, when you send a word, Lord, when you speak to our hearts, Lord, you also empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit to change course, Lord. So we ask that you would deepen our passion for you, Lord. Deepen our intimacy for you, Lord. Deepen our faith, Lord. Because when those things change on the inside, the outside expression will be evident, Lord. We won't be so concerned with building our panel house, but being a part of building your kingdom, Lord. Glorifying you, Lord, seeking your presence, oh God. Help us in that, Lord. We pray for that one, Lord, that doesn't know you, Father. That this would be the day when you change their heart. When they fall to their knees and repent, recognizing their need for you, Lord, turning from their previous course of action, Lord, looking to you, looking to the cross, the sacrifice that you made, the blood that you spilt, so that they could be washed clean, oh God. Each and every one of us needs to be reminded of that daily, Lord, the price that you paid. Now, we are no longer our own, but we were purchased with the price, Lord. We belong to you, our father, our friend, our king. So we ask that you would have your way, and that you would continue to do a work, Lord. And we thank you, Lord that your word tells us that the work that you started in us, Lord, that you would bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. So we honor you and glorify you, and we have great joy because of that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. <laughs>